0: Hello, listeners, and welcome once again to The Audra Show. This is episode number 49 of The Audra Show, and I'm your host, Audra Laquidera. Thank you for listening. Today is May 17th, 2017. It's actually the 25-year anniversary of the day I graduated from college. 25 years ago, sitting in that little gym with my little square hat, Never in a million years could I have predicted the life I've had since that day. <laughs> like many of you. But, you know, looking back, it's because for me, I would have never wanted to be able to predict it. So, you know, all I can do is, uh, you know, uh, own the decisions I've made and the choices I've made in my life and just try to become a better person every day and, and do the things that make me happy. That's my little life speech. As my niece, my sister's oldest daughter, Cara, who has been a guest on The Audra Show in the past, doing Cara's music review, she graduates from college on Friday, two days after uh, my 25-year anniversary of graduating. So that is my advice to you, Cara Gracie. Make yourself happy and own the choices that you make. Those are the important things. Uh, my guest for episode number 49 was Anita Hessen, who is a neighbor of mine. She lives just up the street, and I met her through Christine Tomovich, who also introduced me to my episode number 48 guest, Trapper Johnson. Anita uh, has had an amazing life. She grew up in the 20s on a farm in um, Ohio. She married her husband at a secret ceremony and uh waited for him after World War Two and uh moved down with him as he uh took an oil company job in Venezuela. And then their years back here in the States after that, she was the first uh female operating manager for uh all state insurance in the entire company and became a, a pilot at the age of 45 and started flying her own plane. So just uh, an amazing I- and interesting and you know unconventional life. I mean, she for her time, she really did so many things that, you know, most women from her generation just did not even think about doing. And she was lucky enough to have uh, a husband who Supported all of her adventures and was um also creating adventures for them, which was also unusual for that time. So, uh, I really enjoyed speaking with Anita and hopefully you guys will enjoy listening to it. Uh, of course, it, it's taken me three and a half months to published this podcast uh just you know things other things having to do i had a cold for a while i was down for a couple of weeks with that one and just this past week i had my folks in town which was pretty fun uh they got to experience um a real live colorado flash hailstorm with giant size hail balls that left dings in my car but luckily did not break my windshield like it did to many others we went to the Buffalo Bill Museum, which was awesome. We went to the Denver uh, Museum of Nature and Science. We went to Red Rocks Museum, Red Rocks Amphitheater, which was awesome. And uh, we ate uh, Rocky Mountain oysters, otherwise known as bull testicles. Those were <laughs> interesting. Dennis wanted to try them, so of course I had to try them. Know, I mean, I'm glad I tried them, but I think I'm good on those. I, um, yeah, the taste was okay, but, the, but it was the, the really the texture that got me. And the texture, the best texture, the best way you can describe the texture is uh, predictable, <laughs> which is definitely not, you know, what you're hoping that it is the texture. At least I wasn't. And I think my mom was with me on that one. Dennis enjoyed them. You know, like I said, the taste was fine. But I'm good. I'm good for life, I think, on bull (laughs) testicles. But uh, so that was pretty fun. We had a good time. Uh, And other than that, I've just been working. Mostly mostly lifting people around town. Which uh, is not the highest paying job I've ever had. But... You really can't beat being able to turn your job on and off whenever you want to. At least I can't. And I definitely meet some interesting people. I do try and recruit a decent number of people to be podcast guests, but I give them my card and never hear from them again. But uh, people always ask me what what are some of my craziest lip stories, and i don't have any like super crazy lift stories be I think mostly because i don't drive late at night when the bars close, like I just can't deal with the thought of somebody puking in my car, and uh the general drunken creepiness is not that fun as a female, but you know I love the people who will um have a ten minute therapy session and <laughs> you know let me psychoanalyze them as we drive that i mean that's another reason I love to do the ultra show i've always loved to play pop psychiatrist with zero qualifications. Anyway, I had a uh, passenger uh, last week who was just, uh, you know, very apologetic about everything. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I can't do anything right. And I was like, it's all good. You're fine. You know, like, don't worry. She was taking a while. And uh, then she just starts bawling. Like, oh, uh, I can't do anything right. I was like, what is going on? And uh it turned out I had picked her up at a at a holiday inn and she had stayed there because her she had to call the cops on her boyfriend or fiance who uh was trying to get her to um I, she said either be in a threesome or do porn. He was currently uh withholding her engagement ring. He had taken it back and was withholding her engagement ring until she agreed to do porn. And, um, was, I guess, also abusive in his, uh, requests for her to become a porn star. And, uh, I was like, oh my god, you know, I mean, this is like heavy, heavy stuff. I mean, this is serious. This girl is in the back of my car, like, bawling and, um, you know, saying that, you know, why maybe she just needs to be a better person and, and why can't he just be nice? And I, of course, am like, this is the beauty of having a stranger in my backseat. I can just yell things at her and not have to worry about ever seeing her again. So I'm like now in the mode where I'm trying to yell as many terrible things about him as I possibly can before she gets out of the car. Like, he sounds terrible. You need to get away from him. Calling the cops was the greatest thing you could ever done. Uh, (laughs) Get away from him as soon as possible. If it's not you, it's going to be some other woman who's trying to get to do porn. Just go. But, uh, You know, that was that. And then she got out of the car and, uh, you know, she said thanks. And who knows? Who knows what's happened? That's the crazy thing. You never get the end of the story as a Lyft driver. But those things, they kind of stay with you. But, you know, at the same time, I'm grateful to have had a small opportunity to possibly help or at least inject some small ounce of support into her life. So, yeah, so that's why it's been three and a half months (laughs) since I've published the last episode of The Audra Show. But again, I uh, loved speaking with Anita, so I think you will enjoy her seriously amazing life story. Without further ado, please enjoy episode number 49 of The Audra Show. And don't forget to like us on Facebook at The Audra Show and on Twitter at Audra Show. Thanks, everyone. Thanks for listening. A-do-do-do musical interlude. Welcome to The Audra Show,
1: Anita. Thank you. This is a new thing for me. I've been interviewed before, but not in a personal way this way.
0: Oh, really? What kinds of interviews have you
1: done? Oh, mostly when I was uh, in, during World War II, I had a job in civilian personnel that uh, sometimes uh, I would be interviewed about what I did.
0: Oh, okay. Interesting. Well, we'll, we'll get to that. Let's let's take a step back and uh, tell me a little bit about your life story, your, your life in a nutshell. Where were you born? How did you end up in? In
1: where, I, where <laughs> I've been going around and round? Right. The name of the place was Nashport, Ohio and my dad was a farmer and he truly was a farmer that's what he wanted to be okay so uh they were living in a little what what in the south would have been called like a, a caretakers uh house because they married with with practically no assets so uh he was working for the Owner of the farm, and they were living in what they would have called, like, a uh, not really a caretaker's house, but a, uh, a carriage house. I'll think of it. Okay. Anyway, that uh, in that house uh, with a doctor in attendance, I was the well, I was the th- one child born in that house, but I was the third child in the household. Okay. And it was uh, a little bit, as I understand it, it was a little bit of an unpleasant experience because my sister before me had been an ideal, healthy baby who gave them no trouble. (laughs) But apparently, I screamed from day till day. (laughs) Day till night. (laughs) Day till night? As a baby and was... (laughs) Reminded me of that, how much I cut them up, et cetera, et cetera. But
0: uh, <laughs> actually. A hellraiser I don't... from the beginning? Excuse me? You were a hellraiser from the beginning? Healthy. <laughs> uh, ra- raising hell, I'm sorry oh. for the expression. <laughs> yes, I was raising
1: hell from <laughs> the beginning. They walked the floor with me, the people who uh, owned the house we lived in they walked the floor with me or just anybody that would <laughs> that would help <laughs> but they say a baby doesn't cry unless really there was there is something wrong right so you know there were not formulas et cetera and so forth out there in the country
0: and what year is this that you were born
1: 1920 oh wow okay And I was born the night Warren G. Harding was elected
0: president. Okay. Oh, wow.
1: It is not something that I speak with with pride because (laughs) of the sort of the reputation that he got, but uh, I say so anyway. Right.
0: (laughs) Just the facts. (laughs) Yes. 1920.
1: My sister then was born in a different house near a little town called Utica. In Ohio? In Ohio. And uh, that was also the same sort of a house. But what motivated their my mother and dad's moving around, I don't know, except they didn't own farm equipment. Uh, I think they owned a cow. Okay. So they didn't own a herd of cattle to support them. So you might say you think you started from scratch. You don't know what scratch is,
0: (laughs) right? Having nothing but a cow.
1: Yes, and so my mother's father was uh, a dictator, and uh, my dad's father was a thief. So, but uh, it was—I don't know—it was—it was pretty tough living in the country then like, nothing like of course than it is now. Yeah. And a year and seven months later my sister was born. Okay. And uh, I would, I don't know what I would have done without my sister. We were very close. And we were up until she passed away a couple of years ago. Oh wow. Very close even though I was the one that left home and she was the one that stayed okay took care of my parents always was taking care of the what was going on in the family when from the time i was 21 and left with my husband who was in the had been drafted for world war 2 and uh, after his what they called basic training In Missouri, well, while he was in basic training there at St. Louis, I went, he had a uh, three-day pass. Yeah. That's what they called it. Right. So he came up to St. Louis, and I went down to St. Louis, and uh, I think he said something like, let's get married. (laughs) So I said, fine, if you can find a Lutheran minister. (laughs) Right here and now. Right here and now. No problem, said the guy (laughs) at the desk at the hotel where we're staying. No problem. I will call one. So he called a minister. His name happened to be Cohen, K-O-E-H-N, I think. It's on my papers, but called the minister. (laughs) And uh, there happened to be another soldier. And his wife at, at the hotel. And I knew this boy because he was a boy from my neighborhood that I had dated once.
0: The other soldier?
1: The other soldier, yeah. <laughs> Joe. Okay. Yeah. So they were our two of our attendants. Oh, okay. And the other two were the parents of another. Soldier that was there that was in s- the same place as Bill was there at Fort
0: Leonard Wood in St. Louis.
1: Now you understand that during World War II, the in- the bases that were set up were called camps. Right. The places that had been there and would continue to be there always were permanent forts. There is still a Fort Leonard Wood. So the, that's the difference between the fort and the camp during the big war. And uh, my husband was at Fort Leonard Wood. He was at uh, one in Austin, Texas, which, which was Camp Swift. But he took his officer candidate training at a more prestigious fort, which is Fort Belvoir, oh. Virginia. That's an old fort. Okay. And it's still there. And uh, at this point, he had no uh, rating. He had his application in for officer candidate school. Yeah. And we thought maybe that they had to be single men. So we decided to keep our marriage a secret. Oh, wow. So I went home.
0: He went back to camp. Okay. (laughs) Let's see. So... Did your did your, does your, family even know that you got married? When you, so no, 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 no.
1: <laughs> no, 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 no. I went back on the train. You know, you got on the train <laughs> and went back through. Um, we were down at Fort Leonard Wood. We came up to St. Louis. And it was always after he, he went to uh, officer candidate school in Virginia. And then you came out as a lieutenant. Okay. But now you're a second lieutenant. So that's when at Thanksgiving we told both families, his family and my family.
0: And when did you get married? How how long had you been married at that point?
1: We had been married since June 24th.
0: And so and nobody it's knew till Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. <laughs> okay.
1: Yes. So we told the family. He had worn a gold Ring on his hand that belonged to one of his ancestors. I never knew why, but he took that band off and put it on my finger. Oh wow! Until we could get some rings, yeah, made because you better believe I was going to have him wear a ring <laughs> as well as I wore a ring, <laughs> right? Because we were going to be separated.
0: Yeah. So, what was your family's reaction that you had been married for months already?
1: Oh, they loved Bill.
0: No. Oh, well, that they helps. Loved Bill.
1: <laughs> and uh, both families were well. Of course, my mother had always thought of her girls as having, you know, walking down the aisle. And right. Of well, course. Well, that wasn't going to happen. <laughs> So fine, we are now married, and he is able to have a wife now wherever he is. You know, it's n- none of their business now. Okay. He has this big salary. Haha. Right. He's I finished, finished his office. Two hundred fifty dollars or something.
0: <laughs> That's pretty. So this is in the <laughs> right in the middle of the war, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. So
1: we go back down to a place called Camp Maxie. Okay, near well, it was Paris, Texas, that were the town that we were just north of, okay, which is not very, very far from Dallas, Texas. So after he went back to, to the camp, my mother went with me in my oh, I think I had about a something or other Plymouth <laughs> by that time, because I had when I got out of high school. I had gotten a job as a clerk in the in an office there, at the uh, big town of Newark, Ohio. Okay. And uh, later on, had gone to work for. Well, my sister went to work for an. Uh, uh, you were just supposed to do these things. Right. If you, if you got a clerk's job, you got you went to work for the electric company. And uh, so she did that. So I was supposed to do that. Right. I did that for six months. And that was not for me. (laughs) The oil companies paid more. okay. So I got a job with the marketing division. Marketing. Division of the Pure Oil Company.
0: Okay. Which is now
1: Union Oil. Oh, all right. Yeah. And their headquarters are in Chicago. So I told my boss at Pure I wanted to go to the big city. And he sort of asked me, what do you think you're going to do there or be there with your, you know, high school education? Wow. So I backed down on that. And then...
0: That's terrible.
1: We were... The way he was moved around and in the service, and until he was... Like, first it was the Camp Maxie, General Maxie's hometown... And uh, I'd been there for a little while, and I thought, I've always had a job. (laughs) Well, you know, there's civil service. Where do I take the the test? Well, right here in Paris, Texas, took the test. Yeah. Easiest test I ever (laughs) took. If I could make 99 on that test, you know, I'm ready. (laughs) (laughs) So I went to work at Camp Maxi. Okay. Living in Paris, and I stayed there until my husband got his orders to go overseas. Okay. They went overseas then out through Virginia, Alexandria. Yeah. So I went out there with him, and uh, I didn't have anything to do there. We had no air conditioning. Okay. I never saw bigger mosquitoes in my life. Yeah. But being with him there at Fort Belvoir, they had officers' clubs, uh, live music. Yeah. So for the time that he had there, and that was where we both went back to where he would be shipped out of. That happened to be Indianapolis. That wasn't very far from my home near Columbus. Right. I swore I'd never get on another train as long as I lived. (laughs) So it, it was a gypsy kind of, of way to live until he was sent down there to Camp Maxie, and my mother went down there with him, and we rented an what was called an apartment. Okay. It was a house that they'd chopped up into four right. units. Yeah. So that was our apartment, and we he had all of the... Uh, Oh, things with being an officer has while he was there at Camp Maxey, they had a club. Yeah. Oh, the guys, the eighty-fifth every engineers Ponton was what he was attached to. Okay. And they built. They were to build floating bridges that would take tanks across the river. Oh wow! Which of course is what they eventually did. Yeah. The Rhine River in Europe. That's what everybody did to make the best of things while we had the time. Built so
0: those bridges.
1: They were building bridges for practice.
0: Oh, okay, right.
1: They built the, the. They didn't build any bridges for use until he actually was shipped right. overseas to Europe, and I was glad he was going in that direction. better yeah. that than the Japanese.
0: You mean going to Europe instead of going to Japan?
1: Absolutely. Okinawa. Right. They we called it Okina. <laughs> I don't know, ask me why. <laughs> but it was Okinawa and a horror and the death march.
0: Oh. You
1: remember the death march? N-
0: Not as much as I should.
1: Uh, yes, yes. Well, that was where they actually marched captured G.I.'s until they dropped okay and it it was a horrible thing right so that was the death march
0: and that was okinawa
1: that was not on okinawa no Uh, close one of the islands in the pacific so
0: so bill was shipped to europe
1: he was shipped to europe with his uh bridge battalion yeah a battalion is about is what they call three companies okay um and each company, there is about 500, depending on this, the situation, right. each company is about 500 men. Okay. So that's, in the military, you know, you have platoons, you have companies, right? you have battalions, you have so forth. Right. So that was the years of World War II. So I stayed, I had a pretty good job in, with civil service in civilian personnel.
0: And did you stay in Texas? So okay. I stayed in Texas. Okay.
1: My boss, uh, a sad situation. Okay. He was so smart, and one of the few who knew ha- about civilian personnel, how to interview, how to hire, how to fire, okay. et cetera. So he sent me to school Yeah. at the 8th Service Command in Dallas, and I would go there for training, and I'd come back to Paris— yeah. Camp Maxie uh-huh. uh, and work and then he would send me to a higher level and uh, that was a, a, well at my age when I discovered that my boss was gay
0: oh okay that's interesting well, at was, that time
1: that was alright with me right but he got set up by our colonel Colonel Ann he was a commanding officer yeah of camp headquarters, headquarters didn't have anything to do with where my, where my husband was, his battalion. Right. This was camp headquarters. It's like a city. Okay. You you have a, a commanding officer like the mayor, and the lawyer over here is, is a, judge, kind C- whatever it is, and it's, it's kind of set up look like a little town. Okay. I went over, was sent over there as a clerk, you know, for this two weeks while somebody's on vacation. And uh, I did that for a little bit. And then I got into civilian personnel, where my uh, boss sent me to the 8th Service Command for training. And I would go home once in a while to visit. But you had to go by train. I had to go over to Texarkana, north to Chicago. (laughs) Change planes, go east to Newark, Ohio, <laughs> near Columbus. Yeah, and visit my family. And when I said I'm, I was going back. It was really, I think, the hardest part.
0: Yeah, I for bet.
1: my family. I said I've got a job down there. I can't get a job here that even matched comes close. Oh really? This is a small town. I couldn't even walk down the street with another boy. Until somebody, this was different. Yeah, you understand, with a boy uh, or have a a man friend. Right. Parts of what situation and live here in this town. Yeah. So I went back to Texas. Okay. And I worked there.
0: And what happened with, with your boss? You said he got set up by the colonel.
1: Yes, he did. And the next thing I knew, he was in a. Hospital bed. Oh, my goodness. And uh, gay men at that time were kicked out of the service. Right. So even though he was a captain then, he got kicked out of the service.
0: Just because they found out he was gay.
1: Yes. Yes. So anyway, I don't know how that got all into it, except uh, uh, just another thing of the time. Right. And the difference...
0: Yeah, of course. Uh, yeah. So you were going, so you're in Texas, you went to uh, the training, and so now you're still working in civilian personnel.
1: C- civilian personnel, and I was there.
0: How long were you there when Bill was overseas?
1: That would have been about, um, I lived there in a barracks. Okay. And uh, my office also was in a barracks in winter and summer, <laughs> summer <you know>. and <laughs> summer no air conditioning. <laughs> yeah. I did have a car and I stayed there until uh I was in the uh washroom, whatever they call, you know, in a in a in a barracks. Yeah. Where you have a common room. At June 6th when we had a radio and I heard that the war was over. Oh wow. I went screaming down the hall. <laughs> anyway that was it so was you meant the end of sort of how <laughs> I'd, I'd been so i gathered up my everything that i owned in the turtle back of, of uh, an old plymouth i don't know what year it was the <laughs> plymouth and, <laughs> <laughs> and went back up uh, to ohio until i saw in the paper in the newspaper that the eighty-fifth engineer battalion was landing in Boston. Oh my God! On a certain day.
0: That's how you found out. That's he how, was how I knew he
1: was coming home.
0: Oh wow! So were you able to contact him at all in those days? Like, did you oh, have no. any communication with him while he was overseas? No. I mean, it th- letters. Letters.
1: Letters. I have a stack of them upstairs, like this. Oh wow! That uh, my son is trying to get away from me. <laughs>
0: I'm sure they're very special.
1: Not at all. <laughs> because never is there anything that says, the only way I knew what they were is on the outside of the thing, it would say somewhere in Africa. Oh. See, went into North Africa. Oh, wow. Across North Africa, and then across the Mediterranean into Italy. So the letters would say somewhere in Africa. <laughs> uh, uh, but otherwise, as a captain, his letters were not uh, censored. Oh, okay. They had a censored stamp on them, because he put the you own know, stamp on them.
0: Yeah. But you, yes, did. but you
1: never, never revealed his, in his letters. You never, never revealed where you were. Right. To expose a battalion, a division. Yeah. Anything.
0: That makes sense.
1: And, of course, we had old General Patton over there, old Blood and (laughs) Cuts. Yeah. We should have had more of them. Anyway, that was four years.
0: So it was a few years that you were in Texas without him. Two years. About two years. And so the war ends. You drive back to Ohio. You hear he's coming back to Boston. And so how did you reunite?
1: Well, I, within 24, 48 hours, he called his parents home and I was going back and forth just staying with his parents a while and staying with my parents a while okay so he called his folks and uh, the first time he called I wasn't there and he just took a chance on it but so they had then he arranged with them that he would call again someplace yeah uh, at a certain and that's the first I heard from him directly Wow. Now he's being released. Okay. And through what process? He didn't kn- know, and we didn't
0: know. And but he's already back in Boston when you spoke he's to him. He's in
1: Boston and he's going to get, a, get get on a train. Okay. And come home. But his train is going to be going west and it's a troop train. This is not just a train, right? The train's not going to stop in uh- North Okay. It's going right on through to, I don't know, Indianapolis, St. Louis, or someplace. But he, he told me or my dad, or his dad, and they were going through. <laughs> so we got things timed by going back and forth. Right. And the first time I saw him coming back from World War II was the train going through, <laughs> not stopping, and he's on. he was on the back of that train, he and some other guy. And waved as he
0: went through, <laughs> went through the door. Yeah. And, and that then, was of it.
1: of course, he turned around.
0: Oh, I thought you were going to say he was going <laughs> to jump off. <laughs> he,
1: he got... Uh,
0: that must have been agonizing to just be able to see him wave after all that time.
1: Yes. You got pretty used to yeah. life being Yeah. a certain way.
0: I, I bet.
1: You did. You did. And, and even though you're a very young, what would be considered a very young person now, uh, was, uh, uh, we were pretty grown up, or yeah. I was growing up on a farm. Right. And uh, staying away from my hometown during the war. Well, right now, I don't have a job. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The war is over. Right.
0: My I mean, I think of they it. called
1: it a war service temporary appointment, okay? And uh, it was either my uh resign now or there would be just a time where my job would disappear. And and the camp was closed.
0: Okay. So,
1: let's see. Where am I now? Oh, we were pretty much at sea. He has no job, I have no job.
0: So, so. he took so he took the train what to St. Louis, and then just came back on a different train, or yes, okay,
1: he was on a troop train,
0: right? So he came, so back, then he on came a back on a regular. Train <laughs> that would actually stop.
1: While he was there, see, he went through the paper processing okay. of putting him on leave.
0: I gotcha. Okay,
1: so it was just a matter of uh, a little time passing, awkward time now because all the men were coming home, right and uh, he had gotten a 3 months deferment because he was a few credits short of getting his certificate graduation okay and so he got a deferment to get enough credits to graduate from
0: so, college or from high school college okay
1: university of oklahoma petroleum engineering okay so now we're in ohio We're staying with his folks a while. We're staying with my folks a while. Until his mother said, kind of bluntly told him, you know, it's time you you got out on your own.
0: (laughs) Time (laughs) to go. (laughs) Let's get a job, boy.
1: (laughs) His next-door neighbor, who had encouraged him to get his uh, petroleum engineering degree, he he contacted him and... uh, he He sort of was in a situation' fun kind of funny situation in the oil business, okay because they had previous to this they had drillers on those wells that ran those the the operation didn't matter what whatever what it was, and they sort of said, "Why don't we need an engineer yeah and uh, so <laughs> Gosh, we were at a stalemate then. So the last time he knew of a best place to get a job was through a contact in Pittsburgh. Okay. So he made the contact. It was a schoolmate, Fred. I can't remember what Fred's last name was. But I think it was the same family was that was in St. Louis when we got married. So... He contacted Fred, and Fred said, and so did his neighbor, uh, "Take a job out of the country, f- since you have you. Neither one of you, you know, you're starting over, and you have no money, no house, no. I, ha- I had a car, right? But I had, that was it. That was it. A, I had a coupe, <laughs> Plymouth coupe,
0: and." <laughs> It's Not like your, much. Pa- your parents had a cow and you have a coop. And I had a coop. <laughs>
1: yes. So he was the one that said, suggested that he take an overseas assignment. Okay. So I said, I don't care.
0: <laughs> You're up for the adventure.
1: So he contacted Gulf Oil Company, who had a company in Venezuela. Okay called Mini Grundy Oil Company. Mini Grundy means big seep. Big seep. Big seep. Well, the big seep was the amount of oil (laughs) that way back uh, in his dad's business, in the oil business, there was oil. Oil actually seeped up out of the ground. And their exploitation, etc., Isn't nothing like it was today. They sort of depended on where they saw it seeping up out of the ground,
0: instead of just drilling for it.
1: Instead of drilling for it, in fact, they actually went out and scooped it up. And uh, I don't know how they refined it at that time. Okay, but that was the old original history of how oil was discovered and how it was. They found out. You know how the how it had to be refined and for this or for that, etc.
0: Right.
1: So uh, he got a job with many ground oil company, and uh, my the only situation was that you're not you know you're not ever going any place without me again. I've spent enough time waiting for you. <laughs> right. You either get us boat, and they didn't have married couples going down there then. Oh, I'm sure single men right in a bunkhouse so <laughs> of course uh he he said my, that's it either my either my wife goes with me or I won't take the job okay fortunately they were scarce enough with petroleum engineers that they said okay bring her along
0: <laughs> <laughs> did you so, have to stay in the bunkhouse no <laughs> i hope certainly
1: i never stayed in anything but
0: a bunkhouse oh really <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, I had fam- my mother's family w- lived in Miami. Okay. They had gotten gone down there a long time. My grandfather—that's uh, the reason my mother's name was Cuba. My grandfather uh, was enthralled with the island of Cuba, and they had tours for uh, going over there. So he took uh, my grandmother Ida on a tour over there. And lo and and behold, when they came back, they were going to have a little Cuba, or a little.
0: (laughs) (laughs) He's the one you described earlier as a dictator? (laughs) Yes. Yeah. yeah,
1: (laughs) We called him Pop, Pop and Mom. He was the dictator.
0: So he was creating uh, his own little Cuba.
1: What he said the kids did, but he loved his daughters. (laughs) I have a picture here someplace. of all four of them. Also, and he loved his daughters.
0: So That's good.
1: <laughs> that's the reason my mother's name is Cuba. Her, see, where uh, was I?
0: <laughs> oh, so <laughs> you were saying, so you were down, we were talking about sleeping in the bunkhouse, yeah. and you said your family was so now in Miami.
1: He took the job, and we went down there together on a DC-4 or DC-3. I have a picture of, I think it's a DC-4 plane. Okay. And went into Caracas. Well, that was not where we were going to be. That's the headquarters. But now you get on a bus and go west to Maracaibo. So that's another uh, headquarters on Lake Maracaibo. But that's not where you're going to be either. (laughs) You're gonna get on a ferry boat and go across the lake on a ferry boat. You have no car and at this at this point. You're gonna get a car and in, in a place called Cabimas. That's where we got we got off. Uh, well, we got off at just what they call a the planchada, which is a, a dock that goes out far enough into the lake to take cars, yeah. so there were cars on the ferry boat. They were native kids that uh, didn't really know what a bathroom was, and and I suppose they were probably pigs and chickens, I don't know, but we went over on the ferry boat to uh, the planchada, and on on the, uh, there was somebody picked us up in a company car and took us to a place called Cabimas. Well, we stayed in in just. They they had a swimming pool and a club. Yeah. And the club had a guest house. Well, it was all wood, of course, and that seemed like fun. We had fun (laughs) at the end, and uh, the orchestra played, uh, a native orchestra played for us. And I didn't realize that for the next two years, we would never hear anything from these native. Musicians, except that
0: was the only song they knew. That
1: was it for the next two years. Oh, God. Anyway, we went on down the next day to a place called Lagunitas, and there was another office there two story office, all wood, all open, no glass windows. All the windows were shuttered and screened. That's the way the office building was. And that was the way our luxurious apartment, <laughs> apartado, was in one of these bunk houses. They divided the bunk houses up first floor, second floor, stairs in the center. Then there was an apartment on one side of the second floor and the one side of the first floor same way over here on the other end of the building right. and that was uh, had been a bunkhouse of course for men so they just put some partitions one, two, three partitions so now you have four rooms and half you have half of what was the uh, latrine where the showers right okay <laughs> <laughs> we go down there and uh, the most fortunate thing to happen to us is there was another couple from Pennsylvania oh and he was a geologist and they had already been there a few weeks okay and uh, they were the only uh North americanos oh really there oh wow in uh, in the Bunkhouses.
0: Oh, they must have been excited to see you guys. <laughs>
1: Cap and Dot. We were closer to them, closer to them than any brother, sister, or anybody we ever had. I guess. Yeah,
0: I can imagine.
1: Because there was a very nice, uh, there were very nice uh, Venezuelano couple, man and his wife, on one of the places. And then across the hall from me was another Adi- Anita. Oh, really? Her father was uh, a North Americano. Her mother was Mexican. Okay. And she knew how to live. She married a um, North Americano. He had a job with Minnie Grundy, also. Right. So here we are with a mango tree in the yard. <laughs> <laughs> and these little skinkses, we called them skinks, they look like little, uh, they're lizards.
0: Oh, yeah. They ran
1: around in the yard. Okay. But there was also a big lizard. So <laughs> sometimes he, the big lizard would climb up in a tree and out looking for mangoes. Yeah. And they'd lose their hold and fall down <laughs> on the tin roof <laughs> oh, of our aperitado. Yeah, they could not cling to the tin roof, so the next, the first you would hear plop, <laughs> the next you would hear
0: scream, <laughs> oh.
1: <coughs> and <Plop>. them. <laughs> didn't seem to hurt them a bit. <laughs> they went they right moved back up right over, right <laughs> over, and under the we had wooden walkways. They built wooden up from the ground a little bit. right, and they kind of hide under. Yeah, he got used to s- <laughs> s- seeing them slithering around. Right,
0: they just became regular pets. I'm yes. sure that's funny. So, so that's good though. That sounds like you know other people started bringing their wives.
1: Well, not not down to Lagunias. No. Oh. we had uh, the next town Dacha, down from us was called Batecaro. Okay, and that was a native. In other words, if they were if they had gone to the states, and there would be. Somebody more hi- highly educated a little bit than a laborer, yeah, then they would be hired by many grandi also, so that was a step up uh, in the native population, and they had their own clubs. Oh okay. We had our clubs, and then the British had their clubs <laughs> so
0: so everybody was sort of separated out or
1: well. We went to their clubs and they came to our clubs, oh, okay. depending on. If <laughs> <laughs> you wanted to hear other the music. music? <laughs> yes. We had to get contraband cigarettes. Oh, okay. And they came in by boat. So then we found out you could get a comp- contraband alcohol. Oh. And just like in Paris, Texas, we were in a dry area. Oh. You had to do. They did, and live like they did. Yeah, and make it work, or go home.
0: Right, right.
1: And uh, that was our two years of we had no telephone communication. I never heard my parents' voice. Wow. And
0: uh, could you even write letters from there? Or yes, you could.
1: Apertado two three four or something like that at Maracaibo, then. Once a day, there was a sedan of some kind who made a mail run, Okay. and they came across the lake, brought down anything from the, for the company, too, or, or to us. Once a day, there was a mail run uh, down along to Cabimas and right, et cetera, and go back. So we had mail to go out to the folks. Uh, that was your source but we didn't have uh, telephone communication. Right. We had a crank on the wall, telephone, but the communication was between Lagunitas and Maracaibo or Laguna One, Laguna Two. These are the numbers of the oil wells. Right. And they were all out over the water. Okay. So uh, when Bill would go to work, he'd take his pickup down to the dock and get on a motorboat of some kind and go out to the wells. And sometimes I would go out there and let my feet hang over the really. side of the of the rig floor and oh wow. One night at night there was a big old turtle kind of looked up at me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it was it was different, but then the couple from Pennsylvania he kind of got things figured out that she meaning me she's not going to stay and if he goes home she goes home he'll go home right so he said he needed a secretary (laughs) okay oh well what do we have to do do that he said well I have a position to fill you know how they assign positions in companies yeah He had a position to fill that he could fill with another geologist, but maybe he'd just fill it with a secretary. (laughs) So he asked me about going to work over there in the office. I was the only English-speaking person in the two-story, little two-story building. Yeah. So uh, that's when I got better at learning to read and write. I can't say to this day if you use it, if you don't use it, you lose it. So actually in the two years we were down there, we, we got pretty good at it. Yeah. I'm not now at all Spanish.
0: Oh, okay. Yes. So
1: two years down there with uh, with just, there were no shops, just go, to, go shopping. <laughs> but we would go to Maracaibo once a month on the mail bus. Yeah. And we get off the mail bus. And there'd be a cruise ship in there. (laughs) Ring-a-ding-ding. Over we would go, oh, sure, girls, come on board. (laughs) They had a bar in there. Nice. (laughs) So probably we had a, maybe a little bit, we didn't get much shopping (laughs) done. But what we did have to do was go to the commissary. You went to the commissary, and, and your groceries were displayed. Yeah. Brand names and so forth and a clipboard you didn't put them off do a basket yeah you uh, wrote the numbers and how many cans of this or that yeah and uh, turned that in to the commissary right which uh, hopefully would come down the lake the next week with your groceries oh okay not necessarily all in separated in things, but you got your groceries <laughs> <laughs> for
0: the most part,
1: <laughs> and so it was a way of life. That uh, be glad you're in your twenties. Yeah, <laughs> I don't. I don't know that I'd be. I might be so accommodating now. Right, but. Uh, Oh, there were guys that were down there in single status and lived in the barracks. And wherever we were, whenever we were home, we didn't have a lock on our door. Yeah. They came in and out of there. Oh, what are you doing? <laughs>
0: There's nothing uh-huh. to do.
1: <laughs> and then they get, got the big idea of building a golf course. Oh, wow. <laughs> now we have no green grass down here. <laughs> But we're going to have a golf, or a little golf course. Okay. Actually, it was just like they tried to build about three or five, I think, at five greens. Right. But the greens were made out of the material they used for mixing with water and and drilling drill pipes through. Oh. Uh, and then it sets up. Okay. And somebody made three or five, I think, gre- attempted greens <laughs> yeah. with holes in them, and that was our golf course. Right. You could putt.
0: Did you even have clubs? And you could chip.
1: <laughs> and uh, I didn't have, I, did, I had never played golf, but Cap had. Yeah. Cap and Dop, and uh, then there was a snooty couple <laughs> <laughs> that uh, she actually hung curtains in. <laughs> in her, in her, <laughs> her windows. <laughs> Where'd she get the them? She hung them in the windows. Wow. And there was one sewing machine among us. I don't remember who owned it. Yeah. But there was one sewing machine among us that we passed around. Right. And uh, so since there was no place to buy clothes or, and so forth, you could buy beautiful yard goods. Oh, okay. And of course that was. More or less their way of life. So the, the women bought yard goods and made clothes, made right. their clothes.
0: Yeah. Wow. And
1: Bill had pair a pair of white pants that I think we threw overboard on the way home. <laughs> 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 but it was, uh, you know, the sun came up at six o'clock, right? We were just 10 degrees from the equator. Wow. The sun comes up at six o'clock or whatever. Goes down at six o'clock. Yeah. Next day, down at six o'clock. <laughs> yeah. There was, it was quite a bit of monotony that in that
0: respect. Yeah, it never changed with the no. seasons or nothing. No seasons by the equator, no, I assume. I
1: had uh, the closets for what did we do for mold? Because we were right on the water there. Mm hmm. And there was something we had to put in the closet for.
0: Oh, to keep them all down.
1: Same clothes. Somebody went home, either to stay or to come back. You've been down there two years. Throw down your clothes. I'm going home and get all new. (laughs) Yeah. So whatever was left, the rest of us went over like, and, (laughs) oh, here's a dress I can wear. Right. (laughs) I remember wearing quite a few dots dresses.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. Limited supplies.
1: So that was that was our two years. We banked my salary. Oh nice. To a bank in Canada. Why do you think?
0: From Venezuela? I don't I'm not sure.
1: We didn't pay taxes on it. Ah, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> of course. <laughs> yeah. We banked in Canada and uh, it was not really a sneaky thing we did uh, you had to have some encouragement for people to go away and right. stay and uh, not be running back and forth oh okay uh, that's what kind of what some some of the wives did they would go, they would come home for visit their folks for a while
0: oh okay yeah well you were I working. thought it would be
1: harder to come back yeah never never crossed my mind
0: yeah I think that makes sense
1: yeah but I definitely said we are not having any children in this country any mistakes we made we I'll have to go home because I am not having
0: yeah that would I hard. looked
1: over that hospital down there I said I am not having a baby in this hospital
0: <laughs> yeah I'm sure so
1: we put that off so Bill had not resigned I had to quit my job But he had not resigned. Okay. And they wanted him now to go to Saudi Arabia. Oh, wow. So we had our visit home, and uh, now is the time to make a decision, his decision. Yeah. And uh, I said, I'm not going to have a baby in Saudi Arabia. (laughs) Right. If you want to take that job, you're going to be by yourself but i'm going to ha- but i'm going to need some cooperation with having this baby before you go and i'm not going to have it in Saudi Arabia right oh <laughs> i guess i better be looking for a job <laughs> and that's when our friends cap and dot who had preceded us to the states they didn't stay in Pennsylvania where they were from yeah. they were waiting for us in Newark Ohio. Oh, wow. And he had a job. Wow. So uh, that's when uh, we all, we, the four of us who we were kind of family, uh, he said, let's go to Pennsylvania. So without too much thinking about it, the four of us got in the car, <laughs> went over to Oil City, and met with an entrepreneur, a fundraiser. Okay. And out of New York, uh, a Mr. and Mrs. Wiley. She was hun- Hungarian, Mrs. Viley. Wiley. <laughs> and she had the money. Okay. The rest of us, uh, oh. we decided to start an oil company. Wow. Well, we did. I don't even remember th- the name of it now. Oh. But it was too small a town for me to get a job in the type of work that I did. Yeah. So I'm hanging out (laughs) and Cap's wife, Dot, is a teacher so she could get a job. Yeah. So the boys had a job and I didn't. And so that's when we had Denny in the Oil City Hospital in Oil City. Pennsylvania. Yes.
0: No, okay.
1: I I had told him, you know, I'm gonna have have the baby.
0: <laughs> now we can have the baby.
1: Now we have the baby. And what year was this that you had him? He was born in I think 1949. Okay. He's 67 years old now, so uh,
0: okay. I think yeah, that, that was
1: that. 19.
0: That makes sense.
1: 49. Yeah. But we had, it was such a nice place for us to be. Yeah. Uh, as far we could afford to belong to the country club. Uh, I took golf lessons. Uh, we could afford to belong to the Franklin Club where they also... Uh, the men were both good dancers and they had live clubs. <laughs> and for seven years, we had probably the best, one of the better times of our lives because the people there yeah. took us in. Yeah, There were... Homesteaders, I suppose, there that, in in that small town. Yeah. And there, I don't think anybody knew had come
0: there. For a long time.
1: <laughs> and with the business that we brought and so forth, they took us in. Yeah. And uh, every time we went any place, we knew everybody. Wow. And and uh, they had night uh, good meals and they had uh, at least two pretty good golf courses. Right. And
0: uh, Yeah, it sounds lovely, and uh, a wonderful time in America. The fifties were booming here in the states. It sounds like it was all pretty great.
1: Yes, except you couldn't you couldn't make a really make a living and build up anything with the salaries oh. that they paid there. Okay, so eventually uh, Cap got a job in uh, Washington D.C. As a geologist, and they moved there, so now we're. What do we want to do?
0: Right.
1: So we were close to our two families in Ohio. It was about a five-hour drive, uh, which made it, it made it a good place for us to be for a while because we had not had that with our families. Yeah. But we couldn't stay there, and and get ahead at all. Okay. To retire on. Right. So uh both of the guys again struck out to go someplace and that's when we started coming to Texas. They went to Amarillo, Texas because he had a a government job. that, that the headquarters was here at the Tex right here at the
0: Oh. This Denver Tech Center?
1: This office right south of us here. Okay. When he would have to go to headquarters, he would come up here. Oh, wow. So, I got a job. Bill does not have a job. <laughs> but I said, I got a good job. <laughs> <laughs> so, they were opening the off- offices, a regional office out here, for Allstate Insurance Company. Okay. And I don't know whether I, I I went to an employment agency and uh, they immediately sent me out on an interview and I took the job, but I didn't like the job (laughs) and I was a clerk and I was not being used to being treated like a clerk.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And became what, their first female? The first female operating manager
1: in the company very much resented from some of the what were designated as supervisors who were boys
0: not <laughs> men <laughs> boys who had never had a female head had
1: men. never had a woman boss okay so i was very much resented at this particular time i had also well, it wasn't my idea. It must be my husband's idea. I'm now forty-five years old. I'm standing at the sink cleaning up the supper dishes. Yeah. And my husband said, Do you still wanna learn to fly? <laughs> that was all it took. <laughs> I went to where I knew that there was an aid that they gave flying lessons. It oh, wow. was in Aurora. Yeah, Colorado. And that's where I got my private license. Oh wow. To fly. And was flying rental airplanes. Yeah. My elusive husband, again, <laughs> was looking for work. He went to New York on an interview. Yeah. And I went out there with him while I was there. I learned that his cousin, first a first cousin, yeah, was working for AT&T. So, he was very fascinated with the idea that I had a pilot's license. He was in charge of the AT&T fleet. Yeah. He takes me out to the airport at Atlantic City and to there where they had their company planes. There were there were about 3 of them. They were just general aviation planes, and said to the man who ran the, operated the fleet and a flying school, she wants an airplane. Oh, well, Mr. Hessen, let's see what we can do about that. (laughs) So they take me out to the, wherever they were parked, and was showing me new airplanes. Wow. I said, wait a minute. I can't afford, we can't afford a new airplane. I'll be looking for a used airplane. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. He said, how much money do you have? Well, I told him we had $12,500 to our name. So he shows me uh, around, and I leave. We leave. Yeah. That The next morning, I had a telephone call from this same gentleman, and he said, Mrs. Hessen, We have your airplane Uh, at the airport. (laughs) This was the Curtis, whatever it is, airport there at Atlantic City. Okay. So we go down, and that night was night by that time. Yeah. And here sits this little airplane with (laughs) all its lights on. blinkety blinkity, sparkly, (laughs) sparkly. we get in the airplane he puts me in the left seat and we flew out around the Empire State Building
0: oh wow at night wow
1: you could do that then yeah you cannot do that now <laughs> yeah no little girl we flew around the Empire State Building came back and landed so the next day we get up and fly over to Ohio where the family is in our new airplane <laughs> And that was my beginning of going on then later to get my instrument rating so I could fly in clouds or fly at night.
0: That's amazing. So at this point, uh, flying is just like a hobby, right? And you guys have decided to use your life savings to buy you a plane? Uh (laughs) Even though Bill has no job. I bought
1: that airplane and I flew it over to Ohio. Unbelievable. And landed at Newark, Ohio. Yeah. The next day there was a reporter out to the airplane and I have an article in I have someplace else around here that says she got in her private plane <laughs> and flew home. Yeah. Pictures and all oh, at wow. the Newark Airport. Wow. Local girl makes good.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure that was pretty amazing yes. in those days to see. That
1: was the, hi- that, that was the highlight of my life. Yeah. Forget the having children and... and uh, <laughs> Getting married. ...job and yeah. everything. Uh, it was my passion.
0: Yeah. That's I amazing. never
1: dreamed... Now, I'm 45 years old now. Right. I never even dreamed I would have the opportunity. And they put this wonderful article... So pretty amazing.
0: So that was still something you were just doing in your spare time? Were you ever working as a
1: That was pilot? When, what I do, did every weekend. Flying. Rented a plane. Yeah. I liked uh, Piper. Okay. Airplanes. But the Piper Turbo Arrow that I flew, that was my third airplane, I think. Yeah. Had a T-tail. They're just a little more difficult to land. I thought nothing of flying down to Tucson and uh, you have to stop there and go in and get your permit, whatever you call it, to cross over into Mexico. Oh. And then you have to stop at the first city in Mexico where uh, there is a, uh, an airport okay. where, they, where they have uh, offices and so forth. Yeah. And I think, I can't remember, it's not Hernando's, but it's something like cl- close to that okay uh we thought nothing of flying across the border stopping there and then we went on down to the tip of uh california where uh, we had we had a uh, timeshare so that suited me just really fine <laughs> <'Cause> <laughs> that's we that's could nice. just, just fly there fly down there amazing and maybe for a vacation Maybe just for time off, right? But uh, my husband was at a time in his life where he just absolutely loved it.
0: Yeah, I my bet.
1: son, eh, eh, he didn't like it at all. <laughs> oh, really? he to so, go with you? No. But uh, I had had the friend that I lived with first, so she's a she's an acquaintance that I have kept up with, and all okay. the whole rest of them are gone. But her name. Happens right. to be Ida, so uh, and she was one of the people that I lived with. while her husband was with my husband. Okay, we were together overseas, and we were together here. Yeah. So those were the things that uh, you know the connections that uh, uh, that that made it oh, possible. I guess. Right. Right. You couldn't think about it. Yeah.
0: Uh, so well, what makes she-
1: that's the way I think a lot of the wives did. Some of the wives went ro- just off the rocket thinking about it.
0: When their husbands were overseas? Yes. Yeah.
1: So the idea was just to keep busy.
0: Right. Right.
1: And, and accomplish whatever you can, but whatever you do, keep busy.
0: Yeah. Keep your mind off of mm-hmm. things. Because I can we, see that's going to be good advice for the coming years.
1: <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes.
0: <laughs> yes. Yeah.
1: Why do you say that?
0: Well, I find myself uh doing that lately, just trying to not think about things <laughs> and keep busy. <laughs> and
1: you mean nationally, internationally?
0: Yes. Both yeah, both of those things, nationally with the with the new administration. Uh yes. it's uh it's a little overwhelming yes. to think about what may be coming. So I've tried to Cut back on my news consumption.
1: You, you mean the leader of the free world? <laughs> yes,
0: uh. yes, <laughs> the leader of the free world. Uh huh. Yeah. Okay. After everything you've you've been through in life, what uh, what are your thoughts on the on the new leader of the free world?
1: I could not believe that w- that the voters in this country were stupid enough <laughs> to elect that man.
0: Yeah. Yeah,
1: I just couldn't, I still can't.
0: Yeah, I'm right there with you. It's very hard can't. to believe. Um, He's such an egoist. Yeah, yeah. He really is. He definitely seems to be putting himself and his own interests before the country or any anything having to do with America.
1: I was especially in a generation and at a time when women were elevated. Yeah. Well, it's a far cry from what... Oh, <laughs>
0: Yeah. The yeah.
1: The mind that we have right. of the man who is the leader of the free world now.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's a it's a giant step backwards for unfortunately for so many different minority groups in this country and for for no reason, just pointless steps backwards <laughs> is what well, it seems like. I just I
1: I you know, I'm 96 years old. Yeah, and I can't see the end of this. It aggravates me that I'm not going to get <laughs> to see it play out because I know he's going to get he, he's going to get his comeuppance someday. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, well, Lord, I hope so. I mean, I keep saying the same thing, but I've been saying that all along, and here he is. So, hopefully, you're right, and hopefully, it, you will live to see it, because hopefully, it won't take too long. <laughs> so, what did? Uh, why did you stop flying? Do you want to talk about that or? If you don't want to, that's fine.
1: The last uh, airplane I owned was a, a TTO turbocharged airplane, yeah. which meant you could go to twenty thousand feet. Okay. And uh, after Bill passed away, I found out it was not nearly as much fun. Uh-huh. He was always riding with me. Yeah. I wouldn't agree to buying our first airplane unless he would agree to get his license too. So he stood there and said, "Oh, I will, I will," and he did. Oh, wow! But he didn't care a hoot about flying the plane. <laughs> yeah. He wanted to ride along and read his newspaper. <laughs> and oh, we're over the Mississippi River. Oh, good, it won't be long till we we'll be home. <laughs> wow! So he uh, he went any place I. I wanted to do, I had it done. Yeah. Of course, when I was in Texas, I didn't have an airplane, but already I knew I wanted to learn to fly.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's amazing to have that kind of passion and to have been able to do it and to have somebody who supported you so much. That's wonderful. When we were
1: out there on the farm where my folks were, I must have been about 13, a neighbor, Boy had an old tail dragger of some kind. I have no idea now what it was, but he landed it in the field, out there, right by close to our house. And I would walk down that lane and watch that, look at that airplane, and watch him come in and out of there. One day he asked me if I wanted to take a ride. <laughs> I said I'll have to ask my folks. Uh, I made the best time any ever thirteen-year-old girl running. <laughs> uh, my folks said, "Absolutely no. not." <laughs> right. So I go, I'm, de- "I'm really down in the dumps." Go back down there," he said. Did they say anything about taxing <laughs> No. What's that? <laughs> so I get in the plane. He gets in the plane, and he taxis it up and down <laughs> the <boring>. field <laughs> yeah. without taking it off the ground. <laughs> That's so, great. That was my first ride in an airplane, and I was hooked. That was it. I was hooked. <laughs> I, w- I want to drive this thing. I don't want to ride in it. <laughs> that's so great. I owned, I guess I owned three, not all at the same time. Right. As a, you know, like you do with cars. Yeah. You, know, you kind of do a step up. Right. And uh, getting your instrument rating is difficult.
0: Yeah, that's... Uh, a lot more training right
1: yeah a lot more training so what is that ground school everything you have to do do ground
0: school. what exactly does it mean to be instrument rated
1: you fly the airplane in cloud strictly by what you are seeing on the panel of the airplane
0: okay so when you have like no visibility
1: you have no visibility and as soon as you enter the cloud you go transit Transition over to where you're coordinating I had to work to support my habit <laughs> I always said that yeah to support my habit <laughs> so I had to work five days a week and fly two days well it's expensive yeah I bet if you own an airplane there are required maintenance things you have to have done on it right and you want to put it in a hangar yeah you gotta store it so everything you do with an airplane costs money. So right. So you have, if you want if you're going to take it up. And everybody, I don't know how many people I've, said, oh, I've heard to say, oh, yes, i always wanted to take flying lessons. And I say, oh, no, you didn't. Oh, <laughs> they would have done it. <laughs> yeah. And if you had done it, you had really wanted to do it because you don't get to do anything else. You can't afford it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's it. <laughs> Well, sounds like an amazing hobby to have had.
1: Well, it's a, yeah, I was just fortunate in, in having a husband who was so tolerant of it.
0: Yeah, so supportive. It nice. is. I mean, especially in those days, a lot of husbands oh, yeah. would have said, no a wife hobby. of mine is doing that. <laughs> That's amazing that yes. he was along for the ride.
1: Yes, he did. He, it was fine with him. <laughs> he trusted me. Yeah. Yeah, he trusted <laughs> yeah. once, once in a while, if we were we were cutting short on time and we'd been rushing around a little bit, he would watch me because I was
0: uh, nodding <laughs>
1: off at the wheel, dozing a little bit.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> I'm sure he was watching if that was the uh, case.
1: Otherwise, he was very he was very tolerant of the what it costs.
0: And yeah. Everything. But wow. <laughs> Sounds like you two had a a wonderful life mm-hmm. together.
1: It was it was a, yeah. I grew up in a transitional period
0: yeah yeah for well, women yeah much. well it seems like you made the most of it I mean I think uh, you know a lot of women didn't do those kinds of things or look for those kinds of jobs or opportunities even flying I mean you know as as we were saying I mean they think a lot of husbands even wouldn't have necessarily been supportive of those things so no it really I can't, is an amazing I story I
1: can't imagine an, another husband that I knew at that time that would gone
0: along with that yeah i mean i think about my grandparents i mean either one of my grandfathers there's there's no way they would have been like oh all right go go and get your pilot's license to my grandmothers So so that is uh that is pretty amazing so was it mostly just you and bill or did you often fly with other people in your plane or
1: i never rode in the back seat (laughs) <laughs> of my airplane oh well yeah
0: well I mean who would who would be flying <laughs> well it sounds like you were a little bit of a, a rebel for your time <laughs> yes. and an an inspiration to women of today I hope so I would say so definitely I hope so it sounds like you did pretty much everything in life on your terms which is a wonderful <laughs> thing <laughs> I'm sure that must yeah, be satisfying it is Well, you're certainly a pioneer, I think. And uh, thank you very much for this. This was a wonderful chat. And thank you again for listening to episode number 49 of The Audra Show. I'm your host, Audra Laquidera. Please look for us on Facebook, Podbean, and iTunes by searching for The Audra Show. And on Twitter, we're at, at Audra Show. Thanks again, and hope to chat with you soon.